And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot. Goal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glovers Cast. I'm Ben, you've probably figured that out back by now. <laughs> Great start. Are we doing this one again, Ben? <laughs> Can we just own it? Carry on, carry on, go on. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trot. Goal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glover's Cast. Hope you're all doing well. I'm Ben. You've definitely figured that out by now. Um, I was going to say that I've got one of my plebs back, but I'm the only pleb here. I'm delighted that David Coates is back off doing whatever it is he did the other week. And Hi. That's this evening. Hello, Dave. Say hello, Dave. Hello, Dave. I was on hello. a train last Sunday coming oh. back from Maidstone. No one else was anywhere near Maidstone last weekend from Yeovil, but I was. <laughs> Don't ask. It's a long story oh, and an even longer journey, so... Um, still no Ian. He's off doing his camping, being a in a tent or whatever. I don't know. Um, so I needed some reinforcements, and we've uh, we've dug back into the subs bench once more. And I'm delighted that Elliot Watts is back with us on the Glovers Cast. Wattsy, my good man. Say hello, Elliot. Good evening. How are you? I'm all right, mate. How are you? Yeah, I think I'm going to take the Thomas role tonight. If I'm honest, are you off the bench? Yeah. Immediate in- impact. Inject that excitement. Let's go. Yeah. There'll be a bump. There'll be a pace. Can I no, say but, with the with the goatee that Watsy is uh, is sporting, mm-hmm. he's definitely more Reese Murphy than he is Ollie Thomas. That's for yeah, sure. There and there. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're never you're never, uh, never going to be a giant eighteen year old Bristolian, mate. I'm afraid. Well, no matter during, how much you want to go turn back time. During COVID, I actually bleached blonde my hair when Reese Murphy did it, so uh, yeah. it felt like the right time. Just so I had the bleach blonde back, eh? Si, senor. Give the mic to Watsy. <laughs> what an era, hey! Uh, Murphy just yeah. bleached his hair because it's COVID, and then I just decided to do it. And then come the summer, everyone was doing it to look like um, who did it in the England team that year? Bill right? Foden. Yeah, Foden did it. Gather, didn't he? Yeah, everyone else started doing it. I was ahead of the times. You were, as you always are, Elliot. Yeah. As you always are. Um, it's a busy weekend for for the gloves. Uh, a triple header of games in quick succession. Tombridge Angels on Saturday and then both Haven't and Waterlooville on the Monday. I mean that's that's asking a lot. So we've got a we've got a fair bit to get stuck into. Um if it's all right with you lads, I think we should start though with something a little bit sad and a little bit serious. Um this past week Yeovil Town lost one of our own 
um, a couple of messages have flown around on social media and a lovely little few words on the Ovaltown website. Uh, a supporter by the name of Craig Leader passed away this week. And um, I know it's hit a lot of supporters quite hard this week. Elliot, you um, knew him from some away days and you know a lot of people that are, are quite close to him. Would you like to just say a couple of words and um, we'll dedicate this podcast to, to those who are thinking of him? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Craig was a massive Yeovil fan, as I'm sure so many people know, um, with a really strong group of friends who'd get on the coach at Blackbrook and Taunton, going home and away for years and years. Um, knew his football, got on so well with his friends, um, was a great lad to chat to, um, and is going to be missed by so many. I think this week I've just had his family and all of his friends really in my thoughts because I just know how tight-knit that group was. Used to play skittles, darts, all those things with quite a few of them as well. So really that, yeah, they just, they were all together for so long and um, I know that that's going to hit them so hard. So just thinking of them right now and the massive loss that that'll be. Lovely. And we we just echo those words. I, I didn't know Craig personally, but... You've only got to have about a half a minute or two on the YTFC hashtag and see the messages that reply to the announcements of his of his tragic passing to know that clearly he's um, a fellow that's going to be missed greatly uh, by a lot of people. There's going to be a lovely little um, write-up in the programme, this matchday programme on Saturday, and his uh, close friends and family have asked if anyone's going to Hewish Park to have a 31st minute of applause um, as he passed away at the horrendously tragic young age of just 31 um we're going to pop some details on the glovers cast website that'll go live on friday morning so if you need any of that extra information it'll all be there um but yeah um as elliot says everyone at the glovers cast is thinking of those who are uh, are close to craig at this pretty horrific time and um yeah hopefully those that are going can can get involved with that with that minutes of applause on 31 minutes well said gentlemen well said lovely um we shall resume our usual chin-waggingness because there's some football to go this week. Um, I feel like it's been a long week. I don't know about anyone else, but because we haven't done the Saturday, Tuesday, we've had a, like a wait. I feel like it's been a week. It's been a long period of time. Um, how's everyone been coping with out a midweek of football? Life has been pretty busy this week. It seems like it. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been a pretty active one this week. So uh, I, I haven't. I really noticed the the passing of time to be honest with you it doesn't seem like uh only two minutes ago that i was listening to foxy say well i don't really understand tactics and stuff like coatsy so <laughs> he's quite right <laughs> I, I still don't understand them so i haven't spent my week learning tactics i can promise you that but um yeah it's been a, it's been a busy one and that and, and now we're here um like you say uh double header uh it's, of bank holiday weekend football it's a big weekend though isn't it really if we want to start making waves in this league. We're in a good position after the first, is it four games so far? We're in a pretty strong position. Two back, back-to-back games in three days or whatever it is. We've really got to look at that and want to be coming away with, with six points. It's a mad day, the amount of home games we've got. I put on Twitter the other night. I don't know if anyone can even answer it. No one replied to me. When have we last ever had five home Saturdays in a row, which what this phase of game is going to be? That's absolutely bananas. No, no, I can't think of a single. When you say five, why, why five? Am I being an idiot? 
because we're playing next Saturday as well, aren't we? At home yeah, next Saturday, because Avon is on the is on the bank holiday Monday, isn't it? And the Saturday after that as well. Oh, it's Saturday after that as well. Really? Five? Right. It's five in a row. I think. Where the Hemel one? Can we check? The, can away. we check this? I'm checking. I'm checking now. I'm stalling for time as we speak. So Hemel away. So we had St Albans at home on a Saturday. Yeah. Maidstone home on a Saturday. Tonbridge. Saturday. Chelmsford. Saturday. Eastbourne, Saturday. He's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got Raven and Waterlooville, Bank Holiday Monday, Western, the Tuesday between Chelmsford and Eastbourne. He's absolutely right. He's only gone and done it, Ben. He's, He's only, only gone, gone and done it. it. He's no, only uh, gone and pulled out that kind of statistic. That is the no man one's replied to it either. So. I don't, I'd be amazed if it's ever happened before. Here's I a can't question for you. Isn't the FA Cup gap in the middle there as well? Could be a Saturday. Could be a safe, yeah. Yeah, FA you're Cup. right. Yeah, yeah. FA Cup. It would be six Saturdays in a row. I think I've got my FA Cup dates. Yeah, uh, you're right. Because it's the, uh, the the ninth, mm. and then we go through to the twenty third, don't we? So after Eastbourne, if we're home, if we're home again, it will be six in a row. Yeah, sixteenth of September is the FA Cup second round qualifying, which is in between. So then it would be that would be twenty sixth. There you go. Here we go. Six in a row. Yeah. Wow. There you you must have sung that as a part-time Celtic fan at some point, have you? <laughs> <laughs> or did you only start supporting when it got towards double figures, close oh, to double figures? Let's stop all that now. <laughs> um, that can't have ever happened before. I'm not so, sure. Five, like five seems thing. possible. But... Yeah, that's the point. We'll ask Nigel. We will ask Nigel. Now, if anyone will know, Nigel will know. But So we'll come back to you on that one. But I've made a note of it, don't worry. But it's, a, it's another... Big weekend in it, really. Ch- chance to finish off the last of the four in a row home games with a win would be great. Come away from that with ten, 10 points. You can't, you can't really. If we'd have offered ten points out of the four, I think ninety-five percent of the Yeovil Town supporting fan base would have taken it. Yeah. yeah, when you think really that do. you've got uh, St Albans, you made the player final of this division last season. You got Maidstone who, who who came down with us. Uh, you got Matruro who on a little bit of a high, having having come up again, and uh, Tunbridge who we we obviously play on Saturday are probably the one who are a little bit more. They, they only just finished just outside of the playoffs last season. They finished ninth last year, um, which was which was pretty good. They've got an artificial surface as well, so yeah, they're another one. Another one of those. I do want to fling it back to the GCQ we got right at the start of this, where I said, where we were asked how many points we would take. And I think you both said 10 to 12. And I said, we'd take 10 and we'd draw the third one. Why? Mystic. Just saying. Mystic. Just wanted to throw that out there. So that's what I said. Um, so so what do we think then on, on a couple of different fronts? I want to start by talking... Um, off the pitch, we had that little mini drop in attendance because last week was an awkward one in the rearrangement and the fact that it fell where it fell. Do you think we'll go back above 3,000 at Hewish Park this week? We've got a band back in that they're going to be playing. We've got like the full shebang. This one was always in the schedule. Are we going to be creeping back up to the three? Tombridge uh, might bring a few, according to their manager. I think he said the away fans are going to be special or something on Saturday. So there might be a couple of away fans. Uh, I'd like to hope we get back over the three and sort of sit there for the remainder of the season. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go in a bit negative on this. Oh. And I think 
the actual experience at Hughes Park is special at the moment. It's better than I really even remember it. I've never seen Hughes Park so busy before the games, the queues for the bar. Um, it, the queue for the bar was much better, can I say, last Saturday. Um, the band and all of that stuff, that's pretty special stuff that I don't think I've seen in my time supporting Yeovil. However, people want to be entertained on the football pitch. And I don't think just yet the first three games at home has quite clicked. Now, if that clicks and we start sort of turn out really confident that we're going to win games, seeing good football on the pitch, we're well over three and a half thousand throughout the season, without a doubt, probably closer to four. Um, and I think that's probably could constitute some of the drop last week not just a fixture being moved was actually those first two games coach Europe both of them they didn't really set the world alight and you need to be setting the world alight if you want people to come to the football all the stuff that goes around it is great it adds an extra revenue stream for the for the club it's amazing for the fans I'm really enjoying it personally got no arguments off the pitch it's all the stuff we've been saying about Hirsch Park for quite a long time however it's not really excited me personally on the pitch. And if I was one of those who was umming and ahhing and I went on Tuesday night and thought, do I go again on Saturday or I could go and do this? It's still school holidays, go on holiday, go away for the weekend and all of that stuff. I'd probably be in two minds about it. Yeah, I'd say, I think I said it last time I was on as a football fan, you want your cake and eat and you want to eat it, don't you? Because you want to win. And I think first and foremost, all of us would want to win the game. Even if we played not so well and we and we won the game if it were the other way around i think we'd be a lot more um a lot more disappointed so i'm not upset at what i saw against uh, st albans and what i saw against truro um but equally i i would not gone away from there saying i felt overly entertained by by what i saw but we got six points out of those two games so um I think, by and large, I'm I'm happy with it. But I take Rossi's point, and he 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 is right that you do supporters want to have their cake and eat it. Um, and at the moment, you've just got your cake, I think. And there's a bit of an expectation that we're going to score two or three goals comfortably every week, isn't there? Maybe as fans, we need to lower that expectation. But also, we as fans have had a period of not seeing exciting football, have had a period of turning up without that anticipation of winning games. Now we're turning up with that anticipation of winning games. We want to win games comfortably. And if we start that sort of two, three, four nil wins, and scoring goals early as well, I think it's really important to get the fans back in you. You then turn up thinking, we're going to turn over this lot and this is going to be comfortable. And if you get one in three, one in four, that's not comfortable, then say so be it, because it's going to happen. You're not going to smash every team. Um, But there's definitely an air of expectation around here is that we should be a big team in this league. I want to come back. I want to circle back to that early goal thing when we talk about the on-pitch stuff, because I think that's, I think that's something that we can really try and get hold of because it's only happened once so far this season. Anyway, pinning that, I wanted to, there wasn't much to come out of the pre-match press conference that are really of note, but there were a couple of things. Was there, was there someone not at the pre-match press conference? I think we were missing... A some, man in a tent. A man, he was in a tent yeah. doing tent. A tent the size of a bloody castle, might I add. I've never seen a, a, a bloody family tent quite the size of Perkins's. It's enormous. Like a <laughs> house. <It's> ridiculous. <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, Ben, you were, you were no, going to make a I, point. I, then. Yeah. It is an obscenely <laughs> large tent. There's no getting around it. Um, it's obscene. Uh, you've thrown me off there. And you're talking about a press conference. Next time he goes away, can we get him on one of those TikToks where he's like, <laughs> come, come camping with me. This is my setup. And he's got like a sofa in the, yeah. <laughs> in the front porch. He's got a yurt on the stuff. go, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> that's what we need from Perky. Yeah, right. Perkins yurts. That's what we want on TikTok. Perkins yurts. Perks, yes. uh, I was going to say, there wasn't much to come out of the pre-match press conference, which is a bit of a shame. But one thing I did take from it was that um, Mark Cooper referenced two points per game. Numerous times he referenced it, yeah. Will win you the league, or more often than not, would win you the league. Should Saturday go well, we will be 10 from 5. And I, I am firmly on the balance of... If you offered me now 90 from 45, 45, 44, how many games do we play this season? Has anyone been kicked out? 46. If you offered me 90, oh, geez, quick math. <laughs> He's doing 90. the math now. <laughs> oh, geez. Call it 92. If you yeah. call it 92, if you offer me 92 points now, but they were all absolute garbage one nils, I would take that in a half a milli split second all day long. Give me horrendous football all day, every day this season. There, there, there is, maybe it's because I'm the, I've got that tint of, I'm not seeing it. I'm not there. I'm not actually in these grounds, but my, my view is swayed entirely just to get out of this division by hook or by crook. And that's where I sort of, struggle and maybe sit on a slightly different part of that spectrum that you talk about being entertained. I don't want to be entertained. No, I, I do want to be entertained, but at a game I can actually go to. And I, I have I have that about it. I think I think that's my point though, is like if you've got one in three games set like that, that's fine. Like if you've got one or three one in three games just by hook or by crook and you find a way Ben, we spoke at the start of the season about we're going to have some crap games. We're going to have games where we need someone to come off the bench and put the ball in the net and we go away with a 1-0 win. And we've seen that happen already where we came away with a 2-1 win. Um, but that's three and three home games that haven't set the world alight at all. Um, and people then come away being like, I don't know if we're going to get out this league or not. But but equally, I don't see anybody in this division who's... Um, and I know we're only four games in, so what can we actually tell from the first four games? There's no one in this division who is is running away with anything. I think no. Worthing Western started well and they both got turned over in their last game. So, you know, I... I, I, I with, what, two points off the top, was it? If you can... If you can obviously, nobody looks at the league table until the end of September, but um, if they did then they probably would find that we're only two points off off top. And that's got to be a place where we're in, doesn't it? And um, yeah, to your point about attendances as well, Ollie, uh, Ollie Marsh, who does uh, our our Instagram. And if you're not following the Glovers cast on Instagram, get following in, uh, us on Instagram because there's some brilliant stuff coming out on there. He did a, he did a, I, I don't know whether he nicked it from somewhere else or he did the calculations himself, but he put a post out saying that, uh, 3,209 is our average attendance. The next highest to that is 2,401, which is 
Torquay. I don't know if Torquay have had played fewer home games than, uh, than we have, but to be 800 fans up on, more than 800 fans up on our nearest rivals is, 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 is pretty impressive. And we may have benefited from playing more home games than, than anyone in the world, by the sounds of it. But that, that is, that, it's like I said last time I was out, that shows you that the supporters are there. That shows you um, that they are supporting. And I think the players have got to go out. Maybe this is where we come back to the to the fast start. Because if there's another, let's say, even if it's like 2,800 people, there's another 3,000 people there. You've got to go out onto that pitch and think, there's 3,000 people here who are coming to be entertained. They're coming to see me. First thing I've got to do, you go out there, get them on the toes, on the edge of their seats, wherever they are, and and get that get them up for this. And once they do, I mean, I saw that St Albans game. We started fast, we scored early, and the crowd was the the crowd was right behind them. So I know we've had that question of who motivates who. They turn up. That's your motivation. Go out there, fast start, hopefully score a goal. Your crowd will, the rest will follow. This is the segue. I was, I, I had this segue in my head, and oh, you yeah. just made it. This is beautiful. We share, well, we, we, we share mental segues, you and me, I think. Yeah. We don't even plan this stuff. No. This <laughs> we really have not planned this. We've not planned anything. I was going <laughs> to say about the St. Albans game, because are we yeah. right in saying, am I right in saying that of the three so far, a positive results, the St. Albans game is the most comfortable of the three? Truro, we were a bit, eh, got away with it, scored a couple of goals because we were better for longer. And against Maidstone, good yeah. first half, didn't finish it off. They I, mean, I, I, I didn't see the Mason game, but I, I equally would not describe that St. Owens game as comfortable. Second half was definitely not comfortable. Um, but, but equally, as I think we said at the time, they had a lot of the ball, but it never really looked like they were going to do a great deal with it. But they had so much of it, PTSD kicking in again isn't it but um that yeah there's always the fear this is Oval town we could always shoot ourselves in the foot couldn't we but i don't know you saw last saturday what's he would have what did that feel comfortable at any point uh no i wouldn't say it felt comfortable i think it felt more like truro i did did truro then and then on saturday did we score both goals after 80 minutes 83 minutes i think for the for the first Against true occasions, yeah, really, yes, and yeah, eighty-three Murphy won all last week against Maidstone, and then against Truro, Ollie Thomas, eighty-three Ollie Thomas won all ninety-two. It's it's too late, isn't it? It's too late. Well, (laughs) no, as long as it's not before the final whistle, it's never too late. It's not too late. (laughs) We 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 came away from Saturday with a point. Yeah, and we did. We were pushing them at the end, and we probably have did have chances. What the keeper say? We play that game for five more minutes, and we score an extra goal, and we come away with three points. So it is technically too late to be scoring that goal. Yeah, what I'd say is we had plenty of chances before that. Morgan Williams probably yeah. did score. Yeah, Joe, that is Frank, true. Frank Frank Newell had one, which he should have buried. Absolutely should have buried in the first half. <laughs> and Josh Staunton had one as well in the first half. So there were chances there, but <laughs> not. No, I don't think I'm going back to last season. But you got to put them away, haven't you? I mean, there's got to be players there that are, are kicking themselves at not taking those chances. Frank Newell, if he's not, he will be kicking himself. I'm sure. And if he's not, he should be. 
And that's that, a hard kick, I imagine. He can boot a ball. Um, yeah. And that's where this early goal comes in, because I think it won't just settle the nerves of the fans. Because I imagine what happens is you miss a couple of really guilt-edge opportunities, like like Newell did, like one or two others did, and there will be that creep in the back of their heads of going, mm. if we get caught here, if we get stung, we're fighting then. So actually, I think if we were able to get a goal early, even if necessarily Tombridge do have spells in the game, which you'd expect them to do, um, I think an early goal settles everybody, absolutely everybody, and just gives them the, the, the kick on. Because the two things we haven't done yet is back up a goal with another goal to lead, i.e. apart from, of course, that late gasp at Truro. We haven't scored the first and then banged on for the second. Mm. And we haven't kept a clean sheet yet either. No, and that, that's true. And that's that, one of those yeah. things where if you think, if we were to go 2-0 up, 15 minutes in, 20 minutes in, you've got that element of calmness of, well, if we do concede one, because we're giving away chances, because we've maybe lacking a teeny bit of pace at the back or whatever it may be, or whatever accusations you may have, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And I think everyone everyone would love that buffer, whether that's Tombridge, whether that's Haven't, whether that's Chelmsford, whether that's Eastbourne, wherever it comes, to get a buffer, I think would be nice. I agree. I um, I don't think we're going to be a team that keeps many clean sheets, to be honest. And I don't really care too much about that as long as we're scoring oh, goals. Okay, fine. Jeez. Uh, I, but we are going to concede, aren't we? Yes. We're going to concede. Um, I think as long as we're scoring those goals, like say, scoring them early, it felt in the St. Albans game when we scored in like three minutes, we could have probably scored another one in the first 10 minutes. But we um, didn't. And we, yeah, you're absolutely right. And then after that 10 minutes, that was when we started to drop back and drop back and drop back. And they had a lot of the ball, like Kate said, from that point onwards. Um, and there's there's occasions where we, like three players will be chasing the ball down for like three or four minutes. You get these occasions where they hunt in packs. Coach, I'm sure you saw it. And it's so exciting. Mm. It's so good to watch, you think. And no team can cope with it. No team that I've seen at Huge Park so far can cope with it. But then it's that reverting back to the sitting back again. That it's like, you've done all that hard work. Keep at them. They don't like it at all. Mm. And that I, I do think that will come. And I do think that's going to click, to be honest. Um, But we haven't seen it yet. No. Mark Cooper said on a couple of occasions about Rome not being built in a day and however else you want to phrase it. But you're right. There's definitely been those moments where you see like JMD and well, JMD, Murphy, Noble uh, and um, and Hyde as well on, on, on occasions as well. And when, when they turn it on, they turn it on. But like I say, it's flashes, isn't it? As opposed to a sustained period of time. And that probably will be. It will take a while for that to come because what? No, well, Apart from Hyde and Murphy, yeah, apart from Hyde and Murphy who played together at South End, none of them players will play together on any kind of regular basis. And given their injury records, Hyde and Murphy probably never played together that regularly either, did they? So, um, yeah, it'll take a bit of communicating. I've just had a quick look back now and I want to ask you guys this question because I don't think it's an issue necessarily of Yeovil fans not worrying about winning the games. When was the last time that Yeovil were comfortably winners of games. So last season, we won a couple of games 2-0, but I would argue that neither that 2-0 against Torquay was particularly comfortable. 
because it was very, very late, the two goals, nor the 2-0 away at Dagenham, particularly comfortable games of football. So I was looking back to the season before, and I'm looking back there, and only a couple of occasions in there where I remember games being comfortable. I got a 2-0 win over Southend, Reed and Knowles, inside 10 minutes, and then we just cruised the rest of the game because that game was pretty much done and dusted. I got a game against Woking in the league, that is, because we beat Woking a couple of times, and it got me thinking of the Knowles and Wakefield partnership, where they were just going on that run for fun, setting each other up, scoring goals. That was the last time Yeovil fans felt comfortable in games. And that's what I think is partly what's missing, that comfort. And I think that that is what a lot of Yeovil fans crave. They're not unhappy at the fact that we are playing productive football, but I think we want some comfort. Is that right? Is that fair? I'm trying to guess here again. I'm I'm guessing. You've put us both in thought for sure. You know what I mean? So when was the last time you remember thinking, well, this is done and dusted? Well, to be honest, we had that. Did we win eight in a row? In the start of the conference season, yeah, the Darren Shaw period, weren't there? When you had like Dufferson and Hart, uh, Murphy and um, all, all all of that, but yeah, there were there were games there, weren't they? Where where you thought, yeah, we've got it. I'm so bad. It's been such a long time. If I'm you, honest, I don't feel comfortable there. feeling. I don't think I felt comfortable for a long, long time. Right. Even in that playoff year, we won a lot of games by one goal, if you think about it. Like, <laughs> they were exciting games, and you turned out thinking we turned the team over. But they weren't easy wins a lot of the time. Um, from what I recall, it's a long time ago now, as uh, I found out on Twitter this week. Um, <laughs> but, uh, we are yeah. old. What you deal with it? Very old. I'm not over it yet, Ben. Um, but I don't feel like we've felt comfortable for a long time. So you're probably looking, if you really want the last time I felt comfortable watching a team, 2005, need <laughs> yeah. two winners. Yeah. And that, and that's my point. I think, I think supporters need to, when we talk about tempering expectations and stuff, I, I don't necessarily think supporters need to temper expectations. I think it's an understanding of what supporters want. They just want to feel comfortable for a couple of games. That's yeah. it. We actually don't mind winning games 1-0, but it'd be quite nice to go 2-0 up quite quickly on a couple of occasions, wouldn't it? We've got the firepower there to do it. And that's, that's the difference, isn't it? We've got yeah. the difference now yeah. of there's there's firepower in that group. And I hope that they can be creative early doors and, and, and get some goals. We should pay Tombridge Angels maybe a touch more respect because they have won a couple of games in a row um, against, quick look, Chippenham and uh, Dover, but they've also lost a couple of games in a row. So I don't know an awful lot about them, but... I, I, and I'm not sure where we're putting this in, Ben, whether we are putting this in the episode or whether we're going to stick with the uh, Saturday morning uh, drop for a, a support opposition supporters. Ian's not here. The cat's away. Where where, where are we going to put it, Ben? Um, I'm I'm scared that he'll tell me off when we get back. So I'm gonna I'll do Great. a second one for Saturday morning. We'll do it Saturday morning. Okay, so on Saturday oh, yes. morning, you will listen to Bobby from the uh Fly Like an Angel podcast, which I have to say 
Yeah, they've got a lot more creative license than we have other than they with a name like Tombridge, Ang Tombridge Angels. But yeah, I won't give too much away. But he did say that they, they played Weston and Worthing, who are two of the ones who probably started better than um, some in the, in the first game. He didn't seem to think there was too much in it. I mean, they only lost by one goal in both those games, I think. Um, and then they, um, they picked... The, seems to think there's a little bit more form coming through, but they're a part-time team. Uh, he was saying that they'd be very happy to take anything they could away from 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 Saturday, um, and <laughs> the chances are they might be digging in. Uh, like we know, there's going to be a few that, that 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 are doing that. So, yeah, I, I would say it's we need to break their spirit, break the angel spirit quite early. I would say, and then. Um, Put their uh, wings, some might yeah. say. Hey, there you go. Yeah. What I'm seeing is I'm seeing really good form against high letters in the alphabet and really <laughs> poor form against low letters in the alphabet. There you go. If, yeah. if Avely, I think they'll thrash Avely, yeah. but the W's and the Y's, no chance. No. <laughs> we are alphabetically so, superior, aren't we? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. If anything else, that's how it That's how it will go. Um <laughs> I was I wasn't surprised at the post match press conference from George Ellicobi last week about how he was absolutely delighted to get away with a point from there. And Watsy, I kind of wanted to bring you in here because did you feel like that there were very differing um, after match chats? Sendall's white was whole. We weren't up to our very best standards. We were better than them. We deserved to win. We made more chances. And George Ellicobi was like, "Isn't our goalkeeper wonderful?" We've got away with a point. See you later. I'm off. Bye. We're going to get a few of them, I feel, that this season. Yeah, we're absolutely going to get quite a few of them coming to Hewish, being happy with a point. They were a horrible team to play once they were 1-0 up. Even before they were 1-0 up, lots of throwing themselves around. I mean, I felt like the ref lost control of it a little bit as well because there was so much time. Like, and we, we are going to get our time back this season. And you're looking at the clock and you're thinking, oh, there's 70 minutes, 20 minutes left, plus a few minutes. But actually, now you're looking at the clock and thinking, it's probably half an hour left in this game. And you're a little bit more confident you're going to get a goal. Been absolutely ruined by the late goals we scored recently. Because when England went down in the final at the weekend, I was like, there's loads of time. We're going to get a goal. Um, So that is absolutely ruining me at the moment. Until you get to about... 87 minutes I didn't even think they would lose that game if I'm honest um it felt like they were happy it felt like we didn't react quick enough we obviously made the triple sub there were loads of chances in that game you're absolutely right and chances we should have put away I came away from the first half thinking that was class and then all we did was not score about three goals in that first half second half I was like whoa this is flipped on its head entirely they came at us, they got the goal, and then they defended it, and they spent some time on the floor, and they really slowed the game down, and we couldn't really break them down. Um, we're going to get that at Huge Park a lot, and that's probably going back to the bit we mentioned earlier. Get that goal early, get a couple of goals early. Team spirit is going to go absolutely through the floor. And if you can see the goal, then you've still got that bit of a buffer as well. Um, but we can't be letting these games go into the 65th 
70th minute 1-0 down and hope that every time we can react because I just don't think it's possible against all of these teams to turn that round into three points we will do it without a doubt that team is good enough there's a lot of good players out there um but if you look look to Saturday they they probably made their sub at the right time I think he came almost straight off the bench and scored the goal didn't they um I mean, it was perfect timing, but it felt like it was coming. It didn't feel like that goal wasn't coming just before. And I know you've discussed this all on Sunday already, Ben, but it didn't feel like that goal wasn't coming. When they got the corner, I turned to Jess and I was like, oh my God, this is going in. Um, Because that pressure just mounted after halftime. I think we've got to sort of react a little bit quicker to teams changing their formation, changing their style and being a little bit better. After that, I think once we scored, you could tell they'd be happy to take a point. And we had chances after that as well. So I'm not discrediting the strikers in the midfield and everything that goes around it. But um, yeah, I think I think they probably came away much the happier team. And it probably wasn't our day. And um, we've come away from a point there on what wasn't our day. If you look at last season, we'd be well happy with that. I'm here with a couple of sidekicks, aren't I? You got Ben, who guessed the third game. You got what's he's predicting goals from corners. Can the two of you just give us the lottery numbers and be done with it? Come on. I'm not sharing the jackpot. Don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk team because we've got to think about the double header, triple header. Um, there was there was an indication that Ollie Thomas won't start. There was a, a kind of a, a an odd question about um, the subs coming on and making an impact, and he said Mark Cooper said something about how. It's really good when they come on and make an impact, and it definitely brings you to the forefront of their mind, of your minds when trying to pick a team. But yeah. where they do you want are... me to read it out, you Ben? Do you want me to read it out? Because I've literally transcribed him. Have you? He Go said, on, yeah. "Yeah, yeah. If you, if you're a sub now, you know you're coming." This was an interesting point, though. You and uh, if you're a sub now, you know that if you're coming on with twenty minutes to go, you've actually got a third of the game to play because of so much extra time. Um, we've uh, we've made. Clubs quite early in the game. Oh, changes quite early in the game. I don't know where I've written clubs then. Um, it was uh, subs, sorry, I mean, not clubs. We made subs quite early in the game. It was bang on 60 minutes against Maidstone. So both those boys have played almost as many minutes as those who've come off. Of course, if there is a sub who comes on and keeps doing well, that player has to be in the front of your mind. But that player and this is Ollie Thomas he's obviously talking about here, might be at the stage of their career where he has to build to 30 minutes, 60 minutes and build him up. At the start of the game, everything is tight and there's less room for him to run into. And people then might say, he's not done as well and I need to put him back on the bench. So, yeah, that is obviously Ollie Thomas that he's talking about there. But I think you probably can talk more tactically than I could. But that's a very fair point. I think if he did put these impact players who are coming off the bench on to on, on at the start, it's going to be a lot harder for them to... Um, uh, to be able to make the kind of impact they do when they come on in uh, after an hour or so, isn't it? So, with that being said, then Watsy, you're we're expecting a for a, a loose parking of the bus potentially from Tombridge. Would you start Ollie Thomas against a parked bus? Based on my formation that I've written down, no, absolutely not. Oh, we've got, um, oh, we've got scribbles being done over. I think I spoke to you last week. Was it where? Is it Nigel Pearson always on the radio? I'm sure I always hear it on the way home from here. He's Park. grumpy, son, isn't he? He's so grumpy. He's so boring. I mean, just struggle not to turn him off when he's on the radio. But he always talks about we've got the starters and the finish. 
finishes and it's a rugby term that I absolutely hate but maybe this year we're going to have some of those players who are come off the bench make the impact but next week you're not going to be in the team and um I remember last season Cooper said that about someone else who'd come off the bench a few times and done fairly well and still was reluctant to um, put them into the team so if we've got those players who can come off the bench make that impact then why why start them if you don't need to um if you've got the players you've got the depth in the squad and you could give them two lots of 30 minutes on saturday and monday where you can get the best out of them i don't agree with everything keeper does but i could potentially agree with that i think my could potentially agree with that you got splinters <laughs> in your ass here mate Come on. always <laughs> my, i think my biggest gripe is the five at the back if i'm honest yeah, you, that's everyone's you, going. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say you're replacing Ian Perkins yeah, in the I hate wingbacks. Uh, yeah. I always try and contextualize the wingbacks thing. Of if, like, in the first half on Saturday, if they park the bus and go a five or four and a one up top, and if, if that's what they do, I absolutely want wingbacks. I want the pitch as wide as possible, and I want the ball being flung from one side to the other. Bing, 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 bing. Pass across the middle. We're going down the other side quite quickly. I want that. And that's where wingbacks is at its absolute best. When you get pinned back, because the other team has a go at you, that's when wingbacks at its absolute worst, and I hate it. But um, yeah, I, I, and yeah, it's difficult to kind of. I feel like we've had that conversation a lot. What would you do then? Um, uh, what let, let's if you've scribbled something down, Watsy, let's let's tell us how are you setting up Saturday, and as a knock-on effect, what do you expect to happen Monday? Off the back of that, it's not that dissimilar to be honest, from um, Saturday. I personally go, I think we're a bit bit exposed in the middle and I'd probably move Staunton just in front of the back back five, back four, whatever way back we want to look at one. it. Four, one. And then you've got the option to drop him back and play the wing backs. The option's there. We're just not utilising it. We've got, And it might be that Staunton can't run in that role so you could put someone else there. But put someone in front of a back four and then if you want to move into wing backs and load the mid- midfield up because they're parking the bus, you absolutely can. Back looks like Wally Williams, one or Whittle, Sendles White. May I say Sendles White was quality the other day. I really like Whittle and Wannell's basically my favourite player, as you know. Um, with Staunton in front, I don't think we'll see it like that. We'll see five at the back. Worthington and Cooper with Maguire Drew in front of them and Hyde and Murphy. I don't think Nubel's really done it for me just yet. But going back to our conversation just now, I would like to see Nubel off the bench. Yeah, he hasn't started off the bench yet, has he? All the rest He's of them have come off the bench. got that strength and that physicality yeah. that if you brought him off the bench when the team's tired... So he's not dipping as the rest of the uh, the opposition do, then you might get the best out of him. Yeah, it's a good point. It's worth it. Worth an experiment, is it? My my devil's advocate would say that's so narrow. When you're trying to drag teams left to right to get things to get them knackered, if that's what you're trying to go about it to get them working, the ball doing the work for you, that's so so narrow for me. It's too. Who are you playing? I, I'm I'm if if we're thinking that they're gonna defend and try and set up for the point, I'm I'm keeping the wing backs. But I'm being I'm being bold about it and I'm it's not wing backs, it's left midfielders and right midfielders. So Who I don't, are they? I don't think Morgan Williams has done anything wrong, but I'm starting Zach Bell on yeah. the right hand side. I want him getting at their four backs. Whittle on the other side, Cooper Worthy in the middle, 
back three, take your pick. I think it'll be three of William Staunton, Sendles, White, Ronald, and then three of them again. Staunton the can't play Monday, can he? Because he's not official pitch, so, so he's got to be one of them three. So what I would do is I would start Staunton Saturday, maybe put Williams on the bench Saturday, but then he comes straight in on Monday in that role. Um, and then the front the front three, I'm, I'm pretty much the same. I want to see Hyden... Um, I want to see Hyde and uh, yeah. Murphy together. I want JMD in behind. I want Sonny Blue Love Everton on the bench. Because if JMD is going to be the sacrificial lamb at the hour, I want someone to come on in that very creative role. I think that'll eventually be Jordan Stevens. But I want Sonny Blue on the bench to come on after the hour because I think he's got a I think he's got a part to play. I really do. So for me it's a three four three. And and you keep the wing backs just up, 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 and go from there. I like that so much more, to be honest. Oh, yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. I, and and then, I, I would have no problem if, if Williams was one of the back three. Um, he was just a name that, that fell. And I think if Sendles White didn't have his throw and didn't have a, a cracking game last week, that, that maybe he would have been the one because he'd been on the bench. But much of a muchness for me. But but I'd, I'd start Zach Bell down the right. That throw-in is threatening. Yeah, I was going to say, be- we've had some, some long throw experts charlie lee loved a long throw tom knowles fancied himself from a long throw where does he rate in your in your throwing heroes what's it they weren't long throwers not in comparison they thought they were didn't they you will get teams putting the ball out for a corner like what happened to stoke in the past because that throw is so threatening it was on the penalty penalty spot every time it was yeah it was so good i think um You've got to utilise that, to be honest. We've got the players to utilise that. And um those golfers' shoulders, isn't it? Yeah, that was that was magical, really. And we hadn't had a thrower like that for ages. I mean, the longest thrower of the ball I've ever seen in a Yeager shirt was uh, Curtis Haynes-Brown. He um, could launch the damn thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't, he couldn't do much else with football, oh. to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas, um, yeah, Whittle looks pretty solid. Nice. Cool. And, and and I know we're not. Um, uh, well, I don't know what we're doing about Sunday. Whether we're talking about Monday now. Do it. But... Talk it. Do it. Huh? Do it. Talk about it. Talk about Monday because if you think about it, it is an, an artificial pitch. I mean, there's a couple of players that I would be interested to to see come in. I'd be interested to see ours come in and see where where he fits into it. I think the brief bits I've seen of him last season and. Um, and a little bit of this season as well. He looks like a player who could bring something. So I wouldn't be surprised if he is in a starting eleven at some point this weekend. Um, and also, I do think Ollie Thomas has got to be one game, one of those two games. It was interesting. I don't know if you heard it from listening to Mark Cooper today, Ben. He seemed to suggest that Jake Hyde could play on an artificial pitch. Now, he didn't play at Hemel. And someone said to him about, um, could it, um, you know, you're not going to have Jake and Josh. But he said something about we're not ruling Jake out, I think. He said definitely Josh because of his name. But, yeah, which was interesting because we'd been told by um, Southend that he, he was definitely unable to play on artificial pitches. But So that made me immediately think, well, could Ollie Thomas start up front in, in that game? But 
to Watsy's point, I, and I do like the idea of putting new, a new ball on the bench, um, perhaps for Saturday's game, and then bring him on. But then you've got the option for him to start, and he can certainly play on an artificial pitch, as we've seen, um, in that game against Havant. Because I think that will be a difficult game as well. Because um, they have always been kind of there or thereabouts in this this level. And it's an artificial pitch. And I've only seen us play on one of them, but it didn't go very well. So it's weird. Haven't haven't got a weird game. I, I, I presume they're part-time, right? I think so, yeah. So this is going to be the first, second, I mean, test that we've already had a Saturday, Tuesday, but to have a Saturday, Monday is going to be a real test of the part-time teams. Because there is, and who have they? Who have they got? Do you know, so they've, got, they've got Welling, and they right. and Welling are two of the sides yet to win a game. Right. Okay. So it kind of that is a game we'll, we'll keep an eye on. Um, we'll have a little roundup, I'm sure, and we'll keep an eye on it. If that would be a a, a poor one, they they conceded a few goals. They conceded a few against Chippenham, uh, lost to St Albans just after we beat St Albans, and it feels like, yeah, if if they. If they've only had a Thursday training session, mm. and then they have a bruising game against a team that's maybe not started as well as they have, that you just think Monday might be an ask for part-time players who maybe won't have the best turnaround on Sunday. That was that was another question I was gonna sort of I was hoping to hear a little bit about was what Sunday looks like. Because it's a strange one for us as a full-time team. Do you bring them in? Do you give them the day off? And say, see you Monday morning, we'll do it all again. Or do you kind of bring them in, do some recovery and talk to them about having on Waterlooville? And I just wonder if that might be our edge, our full-time edge. We might not get an awful lot of them. But that Sunday, if we've got the ability to bring people in, because they're here full-time all day, every day, that actually they get that little something extra that haven't might not have looking ahead to Monday. No, I'd agree with you there. I think, and and again, Mark Cooper spoke in his um, press conference, didn't he, about how there's not a great deal between it over the between part time and full time players because obviously, as um, we're, we're all obviously regular gym goers here, we're not really what's he's the only one who is a thing, but um, and and I know therefore. Yeah, I, I walk past gyms quite often, but I never actually go into them. drive past them all the time. Yeah, exactly. drive past them on, on my way to McDonald's or somewhere like that. There's but... a Dunkin' Donuts right next to it. <laughs> I know exactly where that is. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, so that there's not a great deal of difference between part-time and full-time players. But it is just those little bits. And I think he talked about that sharpness and those kind of things. Um, and... It, it does make you think that maybe recovery and that kind of thing that they might be able to do on the um, on the on the Sunday. Hundred percent. Is that a suggestion that because they go to the gym, there's not that great of a difference? No, I think what back. he's saying is that. Sorry, go, I just. <laughs> I, I think I think he's saying that if you go back to when there were part-time players, so like last time we were at this level and we we're playing as part-time team, you would literally have people who turned up on a Tuesday night and that was all all that they did. Whereas now you've got players who are athletes and they kind of live their lives of athletes. So they'll eat like athletes and it's a lot easier to do than it might have been many, many years ago. Their actual and, jobs will be PTs. Their actual jobs yeah. will involve being athletic and moving and doing things that they need to do. Some of them will be employed by... They're not butchers, bakers, candlestick exactly. makers. They are actually going to be keeping themselves fit and actually the football contact is the point of difference. The fact that they only get two trainers. Yeah, yeah that was what I was just going to call out, is that 
that like you've just said ben rightly we we have to be a level above don't we really because we get that extra time of coach time of manager gym facilities on the daily and nothing else to worry about as well in your spare time about earning money because football is your job so if you want them in on saturday they're coming in like that you can watch the haven't game from the weekend or whatever you want to do i'm not not even sure if that's possible but you know what i mean um you can look at some previous haven't games you can do that bit of recovery and all those different things and then you're good to go on monday and you can have tuesday off can't you yeah do it that way around and i think that has to be the the point of difference and that was like i like i touched on it was a question i was hoping was going to appear in a, in a pre-match chat just to kind of separate the two out but um yeah, looking forward to seeing how both of those go. Right, anything more for any more? Because we've been waffling now and we've got some GCQs to get stuck into. Any more for any more for any more on uh, Tunbridge Angels? I just want to call out that it was my granddad's childhood team and he's been a season ticket holder at Hughes Park for over 35 years now. Uh team that he watched when he was young, grew up there. Um, so an opportunity to see him in the league game together, which is very nice. Obviously, shows how far we've fallen as well. But um, well, yeah, where I I don't know where a Tunbridge is. Kent, Kent. near Maidstone. Yeah, I so, went past it on the train. There we are. I was thinking about this earlier. This is one of those games, like, and I mean this with nothing but pure amounts of disrespect to the team that we're playing against in terms of their name. But I looked at it and went, Tunbridge Angels. It sounds like the team of a Disney movie, a baseball team, a <laughs> Disney movie, where the star player gets hurt or he's got to make his grades to play in the final. You're you're going Mighty Ducks here, aren't you? This is, is what's going in your head. You're imagining their coach is Emilio Estefan or something, can't you? Baseball Mighty Ducks. That's <laughs> that what they are. are. He was watching them the best part of 60 years ago, to be fair. <laughs> no. But I feel like they should be. Why? 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 Why angels? Why so angelic? Why are we in an angelic league? We've played the Saints of Albans, and now we've got <laughs> Angels of Tunbridge, and then we've got Haven and Waterlooville. Yeah, that's where they get their advantage from. They got two teams: the Mickey Spencer Derby, and um, and we do have we do we do have a question or a couple of questions on Facebook. Can I do them first? Absolutely, you can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, we've got a question from John Margit with um, Bath City, Taunton Town, Western Supermare with us in the National League. So, which player would you sign from each of these Somerset rivals that could instantly come in and improve the current side? For me, it would be Tom Smith from Bath City, and for me, it's obviously Ruben Reed from uh, Western Supermare, who I think would walk into just about anything uh, in the division. Walk quite slowly. Um... <laughs> Very slowly. Um, Taunton have got a really good striker, Linton, I think his name is. Oh, I like yeah, yeah, I like him. I think, I I think like he him. could go well. Yeah, yeah, I think he could go well. Who's the fellow that scores the goals for Western Supermare? I want to say Grubb. Yeah, they had Dale Grubb, didn't they? But I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure how yeah. prolific he is this season. Oh, yeah. he was a thing. Yeah, he, no, he definitely was. He was, but he was more of a number ten, if I'm not mistaken. Mm. Uh, and let's be honest, we're not sure one of them, are we? Really? We've got, we've, we've got, we've got plenty of them. We've got a name. Um, oh God, we've got a name, but I can't think of his bloody name. The the the, the left back who scored the worldie that Perkins was always on about. I forget his bloody name now. 
name. I can't remember. Him. Him. The one who scored the worldies. But I think he's just re-signed at, um, uh, at Taunton. So I can't remember his name, but he, 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 he's definitely decent. If you read no, if you read out the Taunton Town team sheet, I would know which one he was. I wish I read this question before so I could come up with a really random player and everyone's like, oh, what great shot. I'm going to go away and check him out. Yeah. Well, I'm honest, I ain't got a clue who plays for any of these right now. No, me neither. Right. Okay, so we're going to say Malachi Linton and, and, and Ruben Reed, are we? Yeah? Yeah. We'll go with yeah. that. Okay. Um, and then the only other, it's not a question, um, but something to note from oh. Dean Halliwell, um, who I think this is like a, a correction uh, you know, like in the newspapers where they have to put a correction. So he's put, um, Dean Halliwell, last week I asked a question and was described as a level-headed fan, a statement that really upset my friend Will Parfit with him saying, they don't know you. They don't know what I have to put up with from you. So I'd just like to acknowledge that that is probably true. And I know he listens um, as I was sent, uh, as I was sent that very clip last week, regards not a level-headed fan. So, Dean, you don't have a level head at all. Yeah, yeah, in, you're insane. And well, I'm sorry you have to suffer. A, a, apologies for that lack of head leveling knowledge. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, spirit um, level next week. Do you have the questions on X, Ben? I do indeed. I am prepared. You have the X questions. I'm the expert. Go on. Expert. X. X. Come on, Jesus Christ. Yeah, well done. Do you well think done. when he came up with it, he just watched the X Factor one day and was oh, like, guys, look at this. Um, um, okay, let's start with, there's only four. Uh, almost a pro pilot says, evening. Evening. I'll be listening. I've got to say evening, what's he? I've got to say, what's he say evening? Evening. But we're polite. <laughs> uh, where's the furthest you've listened or watched a Yeovil game from? Any score predictions and any man of the match predictions? I will come to the latter two in a second. Where have we watched or listened to Yeovil games from that were really far away and you can't say the away end with Dean? I watched (laughs) Yeovil Town versus Manchester United, the first one in the FA Cup from a hotel room in... 1949. Was that the first one? When that Manchester City? They play in that one? No, they play that main road, but it was Man United. Okay. Um, from a hotel room in Los Angeles. That was quite a long way away. Was that the Alexis Sanchez debut? Yes, well, that was the first one, wasn't it? I went to the second oh, one. Oh, Kiefer Moore missed that sitter, didn't he? Yeah, that was the yeah. one. Yeah. Although Ben Nugent did have Radamel Falcao in his back pocket for quite a large period of time. But that this was, was the one where, where where um Di Maria scored. Yes, late on. That, that was the first one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was the one. That was the one. It's yeah. beautiful. Um, okay, uh, what's he? Where have you dialed in from? I've got no idea, to be honest. But I do remember last season we played Notts County at home and me and Jess went away in our camper van for the night instead of going to football uh, and listened to the Notts County game somewhere down in Dorset. And it was like, oh, this is going really well. Lost signal because we were in a field in the middle of nowhere. I think it was like one all or nil nil they smashed they smashed four goals in and we missed two of them basically because we had no signal (laughs) issues um i think i probably canada i went to canada a couple of uh fair few winters back now and i would have dialed into a game from from 
very eastern side of Canada. I uh, think you've just picked up a place you've been on holiday and just told us that. And we, we just <laughs> yeah. have to believe it. Was, it, was the, it was probably in the summer, wasn't it? Yeah, as you went. No, definitely winter Because isn't it uh, always winter in Canada? It was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Newfoundland. Um, okay, good. Where was I? Did you just call Newfoundland Newfoundland? Is that's how you say it? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. It's not Newfoundland. That's absolute nonsense. I don't believe it for a second. Um, I think you'll find it's true. Get a Mountie to tell me, and I'll believe it. I it's it's Newfoundland. <laughs> Newfoundland. It's not Newfoundland. I think you're making it up. Um, Shush. Move on. Callum Hallett says, evening. Evening. This evening. is a question, I think, potentially for Watsy. Um, evening. If you could pick three players from the current team to go to a music festival with, uh, which three would you go to? I think Callum's off to Reading. He's at Reading now, isn't he? Reading Festival. Which, Dave, is not pronounced reading. Um, which which three <laughs> well, would you pick? I would take Murphy because he looks like an absolute cannonball. Probably Buse as well, because everyone says he's absolutely mental. And I reckon I'm also going to take Jake Hyde, because he looks like a good laugh as well. Yeah, angry. Would you not take Sendles White to, like, hurl you forward into on crowd surfing? Yeah, but think of the backup that you can get if anything happens. If you've got, like, Murphy, Hyde and Buse, who, like I said, everyone says is crazy... You're going to be fine, aren't you? You've got some experience behind you there, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, I reckon I reckon Jake I fights dirty as well. I reckon he, he he gets some low blows in, I reckon. I definitely reckon Murphy can probably drink the most out of the three of them, though. You think? Yeah, definitely. Even though he's, he's like, skinny as a whippet. Yeah, but I reckon he's a man who's seen off, like, eight pints. Comes really? Yeah. Well, okay. Okay, cool. Right. Let's see who you're taking. I mean, it's been such a long time since I've been to a music festival. I can't even, I can't even think who I would, I, I take. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go with what Rossi said. Can you think of any? I, I haven't looked at this question in advance either. I'm not a music festival goer. I could think nothing worse than spending my days on a field in Glastonbury or in Reading or Leeds or Isle of Wight or anywhere else where they have festivals. It makes me feel a bit weird. Um but I feel like you'd need a good group of people around you. So I'm going to stick with the entire goalkeepers union. And that includes Phil, the goalkeeper coach. Right. Okay. Two keepers and Phil, the keeper coach. Goalkeepers union it. Stick together. Good people. Look after you. Sorted. No. No. Too safe. Too responsible, Ben. I think I think Phil would get you, get you back to your tent at night, wouldn't he? That's but, what I, but, yeah, I think he would. Mm. But I think... Based on what, well, what what's he said there about Will Hughes and um, God, I can't even remember the other lad's name now. Lewis Williams, Lewis Williams, Williams yeah. Um, I mean, goalkeepers are a bit crazy, aren't they? They are absolutely yeah. crazy. I don't I think mean, you're safe there, Ben. Yeah, I think I'm really. Bill can't save you there, Ben. He can. I don't think he's he can. Coach. It's literally his job. I uh, reckon there'll be liabilities. No chance. <laughs> and I'm taking one. Hughes <laughs> Hughes says evening. Evening. It's only August. The season but a babe in arms. But factoring in trigger-happy chairman who's made a poor start and who might be seen as below par in terms of expectation. When sacking season, capital S's, uh, which come earlier and earlier, starts who will be the first National League South manager in the firing line. Any takers? I was looking at... 
I was saying, I was looking at the, the table from last season and Dartford finished second, currently in the relegation zone. Eastbourne Borough finished just outside the playoffs. They're in 19th. And there are a couple of... Braintree weren't a million miles away. Were they in the playoffs? Those three teams are all struggling. Dartford are yet to win a game. I'm going for Dartford's manager to be the first on the block. I don't know how big second season is in the National League South, to be honest. I don't know if it's as big as like League Two where you start getting it and it keeps happening and keeps happening. I feel like the pressure will be most on people like Cooper and Johnson, if I'm honest. I think Johnson almost sounds like he's pretty safe there based on their board's expectations, but I think pressure from fans, um, he's got to watch his back and make sure that he keeps picking up wins. Yeah, Johnson definitely got it in the, those first two because they, I think they lost and drew their first ones, didn't they? And there were a lot of people yeah. questioning it, but... Um, I would say looking at the table and basing it on nothing more than about 30 seconds of uh, research here, Eastbourne, because they've spent quite a bit of money as well, I think, in National League South terms. Um, so I'd imagine there's quite a lot of expectation there. So I'd say Eastbourne, um, Burroughs, manager, whoever that is. Lovely. Uh, oh, we didn't do... Um, I'm going to come back to match predictions and uh, score predictions, man of the match predictions from almost a pro pilot at the end. Uh, Dexter Tyson says, Guten Abend. Even Hi. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, good. Um, with the school holidays here, yeah, they bloody are. Um, what was your favourite and worst holiday you had growing up? Dave, long time ago for you, mate. Do you remember? Or... Yeah, it was... Um... Yeah, just a martok, I think, is as far as we went when I was a kid. So, because the horse and cart only went so far. Which, all the way from older shots, not a bad thing. So, yeah, well, I moved from older shots when I was four years old, Ben. So, I don't really remember holidays when I was four years old. Yeah, but martok is a long way from older shot. You're right. Uh, well, I, you see, I never really went on, I never went overseas on holiday when I was a kid. We always stayed in, we always stayed in the UK. I remember going, uh, Perky will, 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 will appreciate this. We went to a place called Mousel, and it's not Mousehole for you in Newfoundland or whatever it is. Yeah, Mousel it was called in um, in Cornwall. That was really nice, uh, a really nice uh, place. But then we also went to Cardigan Bay in South Wales, and it pissed it down for the whole time we were there. So I'm going to go for those two. Mousel, good. Piss wet through Cardigan, not so good. Anyone want to name a bonus point for the name of the player that's played for both Mausel and Yeovil? <laughs> Go on. Adel Gaffiti. Oh, really? <laughs> played for Mausel. Mausel's like one house, isn't it? I think. We found him. We signed him from Mausel. Um, uh, what's the <laughs> best and worst holidays, please? I'm a bit taken aback that you've just pulled that fact out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> He's just Googling it. <laughs> can't really think of any holiday destination. Have I even been on holiday? Who knows? Um, went to Florida a couple of times and then a couple of times as an adult and every time that's pretty amazing. Um, worst holidays. I These never are kids' had... holidays, aren't they? Yeah. My holidays when you were a kid. I never had really bad holidays. I was quite lucky, to be honest. Uh, we went to Grand Canaria once and got quite ill, so maybe then... Um, this means yeah. once he went somewhere sunny and he immediately turned like bright red. That's what's happened, isn't it? I probably was sunburned. Exactly. Yeah. He got sunstroke. That's what it was. Cool. Um, I had a school trip to um, California. Does that count? 
Newfoundland. No, California. As a best. Yeah. Ben, what school did you go to around here? I can say, yeah. Where? The Wadham Special. Wadham went to California. Yeah. Yeah, Jess went to New York from Wadham, actually. There you go. See? Lovely. Did LA, San Fran, and San Diego. Class. Blimey. Those Creek and schools, eh? No, the other half live, yeah. Um, worst. I don't, again, I never had bad holidays. I had unglamorous holidays. Like we went to Cornwall and to South Wales in caravans and stuff, but they were great. Like I had a great time. So I'm not going to go. I didn't know such thing as a terrible holiday. Um, Just terrible people, are that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's like when you go to France, the French ruin it. Um, wow. I'm sitting out of that one. He's going, uh, going straight in with a xenophobia, yeah. Excellent. Um, any score predictions Saturday? I'll take a one now. Whoa, okay. This is their clicks three nil. Three nil. I think th- I think we get the early goals. I'm going three one. So I don't think we get the clean sheet. And man of the match predictions from almost a pro pilot, please, guys. The man- whoever scores the goal in my one nil win. Oh Jesus Christ, Murphy. Okay. Murphy, I am going for this. Is it's going to be a JMD masterclass unlocking the defense? I think that just about wraps up this portion of the podcast. Um, David, what comes next? What comes last on a Thursday edition of a podcast? On a Friday edition of the podcast, Ben, let's not forget we are recording on a Thursday, but it's a Friday edition. The only way to end is the quiz, and we have got the elder statesman versus the new pretender. Enjoy. Okay, it's quiz time, and that means we have our reigning champion back with us to defend his crown. Once again, it's Marcus Duncan. Marcus, how has the last week been for you? Yeah, just full of revision, really. Uh, Taking notes, (laughs) spreadsheets. No, I'm joking. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've been counting down the days for this moment. Uh, but yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Tough I, one I, today. It centred centred your whole your whole week around it. Well, we, we we've had to dig deep into the Overtown archives to uh, to pull out some competition for you, and we've gone for what I can only describe as an experienced campaigner. Uh, anybody <laughs> who knows the Overtown will have come across Mark Kelly at some point in their footballing career. So, Mark, welcome to the Glovers Cast Quiz. How you doing? Yeah, good. Thanks. Good to be here. Give it a go. <laughs> I was going to say, what I'm going to, I'm going to let the listeners into this before the, uh, before the, uh, we started recording. Mark said, "So what is this then?" <laughs> he said, "I've only <laughs> listened to it once, so we're not sure if he's full, lulling us into a false sense of security or not." No, he insists he's not. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, we'll recap the rules then, especially for you, Mark. Um, so the the game is called Yeovil Town. Who am I? I've written a small history of the playing career of three players who include Yeovil Town amongst their former clubs. I'm going to read them out from the day they were born all the way through to wherever it is they are now. And the first person to uh, to get the right answer um, wins that point. First to two wins, best of three. Do you understand the rules? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Okay, Marcus, you ready? Very ready. Yeah. Okay, Mark, you ready? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ready as you'll ever be. It will be. (laughs) (laughs) Right, okay. Here is your first player. I was born in Essex in 1993, and it it was Ipswich Town where I began my footballing journey. Dean Bowden. 
not Dean Bowditch. No. Now, Mark, another rule I should say is if you shout out the wrong answer, then you have to wait until the end of the paragraph that follows. So give me well, one sec. I'll read this out and then I'll call you back in. So uh, it's it's town where I began my footballing journey at the age of just 12 years old. I moved to Peterborough United four years later. And during my time there, I sent out on loan at non-league Kettering for my first experience in the men's game during the second half of the 2011-2012 season. Mark, you're back in now. Following my release by Posh, Gary Johnson brought me to Yeovil Town in the summer of 2012 and handed me my debut as a 82nd minute substitute in a 3-0 League Cup win over Colchester United in the first match of that season where I played in defence. I was mostly a left back or a left wing, depend and the left wing was probably the position I went on to fill more in my career. You don't need to tell me that that season, 2012-2013, went rather well for the Glovers, and I was something of a bit part player, playing 17 times. But a highlight of that came in a 3-1 home win over Preston North End, which we won 3-1 with me scoring the second goal. Nobody yet? Okay. I did not make a single appearance in the following campaign in the Championship but was just back in the, uh, in the Overtown start 11 for the six unsuccessful 2014-2015 season, where I played 24 times, scoring once in a Johnston Paints Trophy match defeat at home to Portsmouth. I was released from Hewis Park at the end of that season, with the club dropping down to League Two, um, and I joined Newport County that summer. Can tell I'm going Liam slightly. Davis. It's not Liam Davis. No, no, no. But you're you're you're, you're kind of there. A player who would have played for us in that championship winning season as well. Okay. <clears throat> um, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hold you out for the next paragraph uh, here, Marcus. So, Mark, this one's just for you. My time in South Wales was beset by injury, and I lasted just one season before dropping into the non-league with Woking. You're back in now, Marcus. In May 2018, I moved north of the border where I enjoyed some considerable success and was named player of the season for Dundee in my first season. But after the club were relegated, I exercised a clause in my contract and returned to my native Essex with Southend United. Then a League One side. Is it Nathan Ralph? It is Nathan Ralph. You're correct. Jesus Christ, I, I thought that one, was, that one was going on for a very long time. I did wonder. Well done. Glenn. Well done. Yeah, Nathan Ralph. Yeah. And I was just about to say, and uh, I remain at Southend today, and I actually played 90 minutes in their 2-0 win at Yeovil last, last season. So <laughs> there we go. Right, 1-0 to, to Marcus. Okay. Number two. I was born in Enfield, North London in 1990. Oh, sorry, I lost my screen. Uh, and joined the Tottenham Hotspur Youth Academy. That doesn't limit it much, does it? Um, having been top scorer in the White Hart Lane Academy in the 2007-2008 season, I made my first team debut in a UEFA Cup tie in November 2008. Having My form secured me a new contract. And soon after, it was in March 2009, Terry Skiverton brought me to John John Abika oh. is the right answer. Yes, correct. Oh, Mark, right. You got your eye in now, haven't you? 
<laughs> ah, we'll see. We'll see. Right. Okay. One over. This is the way we like it. Anyway, it gives a little bit of tension, doesn't it? It's right. So all down to the last one. So this is this is a more recent one. I'll 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 give you that. I should should say for regular listeners, there's no theme here as you've gathered. I'm just these are literally just three the last three biographies I have to my name. So here we go. Right, third and final one. I was born in Aylesbury in 1998 and began my career in the youth setup at MK Dons. But having not troubled the first team setup at Stadium MK, I was released and dropped into the non-league game. I had a brief spell at Ware Town before going to Banbury United, where I drew, grew into a ball-playing centre-half, playing a full season in the 2007-8 campaign. But it was north of the border that I got my first professional break, uh, joining Dundee, and I began life in the club's reserve team setup. I only made two appearances for the club's under-20s in the Scottish Challenge Cup and had half a season on loan in the National League North with York City. In the summer of 2019, I appeared as a trialist for Darren Siles, Yeovil Town, in a 2-0 friendly win at Stratford Town and did enough to earn myself a one-year contract. Tom Bradbury? Tom Bradbury is the right answer. Marcus, you're absolutely correct. But, well played, young man. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I should have I should have gone that mid-1990s. I should have gone Dean Burtby, Jerry Gill, all of these guys, shouldn't I? You should he have never, done. He never would have got those, Mark. He never would have got those. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's, that is hard isn't it because okay. you're like kind of racking your brain as well you know what I mean that, that's really good trying to think right okay well you, you, you heard it there ladies and gentlemen Mark uh, Mark Kelly uh, enjoyed the quiz so I think he enjoyed it anyway uh, so yeah, if you very good. He, did, he did enjoy it right well maybe you're listening now then you have to listen in to the next one and see whether Marcus can defend his crown again absolutely okay right well Marcus, thanks for coming back. We're going to have to find another date for to speak to you next week now. This is getting ridiculous. Um, and Mark, <laughs> thanks for being a good sport. Thanks for uh, taking part. And as I say, hopefully you enjoyed yourself. Yeah, no worries. Thanks very much. Fantastic. Thank you very much, gentlemen. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest back pedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Troy. 